0: I want to have a conversation with you all about relentless tenacity and the true meaning of that and its correlation to business success. We all want to set ourselves apart in business and really get into the nitty-gritty of adding value in the entrepreneurial space. However, the question is, how high is your entrepreneurial drive to succeed. How confident are you in your vision to succeed, and how determined are you to eliminate the detractors which are holding you back from obtaining your definition of a prosperous mountain of success? The experience you gain in life can be used as your relentless answer to solving problems and becoming an innovator of solutions and aspirations. And in business, that's all you can ask for. And for my friend, Alex Manicucci, he's the quintessential definition of what it means to be relentless, and he says, experience matters. For him, after taking his last privately held startup to the Inc. 5000 list as the 66th fastest growing software company in the country, he says he discovered the fatal and fundamental flaw in tech company economics. Alex says that 90% of companies fail because founders are not operators. Yet, investors in Alex's view continue to provide these founders with the financial capital they need to operate, expecting them to know how to spend it. And he once again says, experience is the key to sustainability. In response, he's created a whole new way to tech company development. They coined it, Venture Advisory, where they provide the infrastructure needed for these tech companies to thrive in exchange for ownership, his Dream team of pros knows how to build tech companies and eliminate the guesswork and allow the founders to focus on delivering the best products they can for their clients. And Minikuchi joined me this week to discuss how the software and tech industry can cultivate better operators to make sure that their business has a chance to thrive in every area of operations. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. ready I'll take a moment my friend to welcome you to the program and I'm super excited to learn all about how you're making a difference in the space of entrepreneurship great to see you today my friend and thank you for a few minutes
1: oh it's my pleasure yeah I'm I'm, I'm happy to share some thoughts and thanks for making time man I appreciate it
0: absolutely now Alex you tell me that most business owners fail because Oh, business owners are not interested in the operation side of business. So I'm wondering if we can start our conversation by you telling me why you think business owners need to be better operators, my friends.
1: Oh, you know what? You you, you started with the right part of the topic for sure. Uh, What I like to, uh, an example I like to make, let's say you love making food. You're and, and so you decide to become a chef. Like it's your passion. You love putting ingredients together, you want them to taste great. You like to feed your friends on the weekends, your your friends come over and you make everybody food. Like this is something you enjoy doing. That has very, very little to do with running a restaurant. Because running a restaurant, you're picking a location, you're getting insurance, you're hiring and firing people, you're ordering produce, you've got to make sure your machinery. Uh, stays in proper working order. So what happens is is the person who loves making food is now dealing with things that have nothing to do with making food and has everything to do with running a restaurant. So oftentimes in business, you have somebody that's a subject matter expert, passionate about solving a problem, providing a service, or doing something related to uh, a trade or a skill that makes people happy. But usually, building a business around providing that thing has very little to do with the thing itself, sadly. And I think most people don't really assess that when they get into the business building part of uh, of, of providing that service. And it's usually a skill set that they haven't even considered or understand or prepared themselves for. So now the chef who loves making food doesn't spends all day in the back room trying to hire people. Trying to do marketing, trying to uh, do all, all these other variables, and it, he's not making food anymore. So he's no longer doing a thing that makes him happy, no longer doing a thing that he's good at. Uh, and and that's usually a rep- uh, recipe for failure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Alex, you and I both know that business is all about relationships and building up the confidence in people. And you know, Alex, out of hosting this podcast. I work with businesses to help them better infuse individuals with disabilities into the workforce. And it's personal for me, Alex, because I was born with a cerebral palsy. So tell me about the importance of trying to take a more inclusive approach to business and the uh, competitive <laughs> advantage that provides business
1: owners. Well, you know, I think that you know, you first of all, you learn something from everyone, and and I think that there aren't enough people that that really understand that is is everybody's got a background, um, experiences, skill sets, opinions, passion, and and like you said, you know, relationships really are the cornerstone of building a business, and so it comes down to you know finding people that that are excited and passionate about the business that you're trying to build. And, uh, and that comes in every shape, form, gender, color, size. Uh, I think it really just comes down to being passionate about what you do um, and providing that service for the people who need it and uh, and just trying to create a, a collaboration and a community around that business. So I think that that's, uh, that's absolutely key. And there are some people that get stuck in their lane that, um, that don't infuse their business and their community and their customer base with new energy and new thought processes and new perspectives, which really is the lifeblood of staying relevant and um, and staying exciting. So I think that's where that's where the diversity and inclusion really makes uh, a, a ton of difference in someone's competitive advantage.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Alex, I know that you're a big believer in your fifty uh, to 50, uh, fifty by fifty mantra. And you're on a mission to help uh, uh, business owners uh, uh, achieve their goals and become a million, millionaires and creating uh, 50 millionaires by the time that you turn 50, my friend. So I'm, I'm curious to learn all about the mantra and why it's so important to you.
1: You know, I've, I've lived a lot of my life where, uh, with a real belief that that money is, money is not the end game. And money can actually be the source of plenty of evil. And there are a lot of people that think that money is the end all be all to happiness and joy. And it really isn't. You've got to learn how to be happy and joyful with nothing. And if you can do that, then money becomes a tool that empowers you to do good. So you, can, you can go, it can go either way. When I set my goal, my 50 by 50, it's really around aligning myself with the right kinds of people and trying to empower those people to become conduits for more good. So it's about scaling. I can only do so much with the resources I've got and the time and energy I've got to invest in my community and my planet. But if I can, if I can create 50 beacons of people that uh, uh, operate with integrity, that operate with inclusion, that care about the people that they work with, care about the communities that they serve, then we can have kind of an exponential effect on good and uh, and building out those communities. And so you need you know you need the right stewards uh, who are going to hire and take good care of their employees, who are going to care about the service they provide, so it's not junk, they're not scamming people, they're not cutting corners. And so if I align myself with the right people and empower those, and and, and one of the benchmarks for trying to really uh, articulate that that that's why you know creating millionaires. Is, is if they have the fiscal resources to build strong, sustainable businesses, then they can pay their people well, they can uh, continue to innovate and build and reinvest in themselves and their employees and their communities. So it's it's just a metric that I use for strength and, and sustainability uh, in order to try to uh, kind of proliferate some of the, uh, my personal values.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And- you know, Alex, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you this afternoon, buddy, is because I, I know that the word relentless has a special place in your heart, my friend, and I have to tell you, uh, it's my belief that you're either working to advance or you're willing to accept mediocrity, my friend, and I know that uh, you're, uh, you come from a humble place of beginning, my friend. So what does the word relentless mean to you? What, how does that guide every decision you make in your life, my friend?
1: Ah, uh, you know what? Great question. I like the way you cue that up. Um, you know, when I started this, uh, my my recent business, Relentless Venture Studios, I was trying to think what was the one word that really encapsulated uh, what, what got me to this place in my life uh, through ups and downs. Um, As you mentioned, kind of a humble beginning. I mean, when I was 17, 18, I lived in my car. Um, At 25, I became a full-time single dad. Um, I've made money. I've lost money. And so I tried to think what was the characteristic that most defined uh, getting to where I'm at today. Uh, I've got a great life, and and I I live very well. I've got a great family. And it was relentless. It wasn't genius. Um, I wish I was a genius, but I'm not. Um, and, you know, it's it's a little bit lucky it was a close runner up, um, but, you know, it was really that spirit of uh, trying to define, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to settle, I'm going to keep trying, I'm going to keep working hard at this. Um, it was the one characteristic that for myself most defined my ability to get through the ups and downs and, and what I look for and people I align myself with. It's, it's, I can train skills but it's hard to train a relentless spirit. And, and so that relentless spirit is the thing that gets you through those tough times. You're going to have them. They're guaranteed to happen, the ups and downs. And uh, and so the relentless spirit, I thought was the most defining characteristic to getting through all of that.
0: Yeah, and Alex, how do you define business perseverance? And how do you think it's also connected to life perseverance as
1: well? You know, it's it's problem solving. I mean, it's you know, one you have to expect that uh, you're going to be challenged. You have to expect that, uh, expect the unexpected. I hate to use that cliche, but I mean, you're going to have ups and downs. It is a, it is a guarantee. And when you think about business, you know, and and life, perseverance it's it's the willingness to confront those challenges, and if at all possible, confront them with a positive spirit and a positive attitude. You think about how many things we do electively that are challenges, like solving a puzzle uh, or playing games. I mean, these are challenges that we decide to do because challenges are interesting. So we get challenges in business and and we get surprised. I can't believe my employee didn't show up today. I can't believe I got a letter from the IRS. Like, what do you mean? This is part of the process of being in business. And so we need to decide this is I expect these things to happen. I'm going to confront them with a problem-solving mindset i'm going to look at them positively is part of my entrepreneurial journey then you just sit down and say i just got to work the problem and uh, and you just keep working and keep working and working until you find those solutions and it's the same thing in life where you're going to have challenges with your spouse you're going to have challenges with your kids um you're going to have good good months and bad months where you make money or you don't and and you look at that the, in the same way where this is part of life I expect these challenges and uh, i want to continue to work through them and, and be a problem solver instead of a, a victim uh, in those situations
0: yeah I, absolutely and alex i know you help people with with making uh, successful exits and business so they can go on to their next venture my friend so i'm wondering if you can tell me about the our know, workings of what to do every day and why you love what to do my friend
1: well, uh, you know, most people, if they build a business and are thinking about an exit, it will be probably the only time in their life they do it. So, in order to get good at something, you usually have to do it multiple times, right? If you think about the first time you try to, you know, throw a baseball or or write or anything like it's 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 always bad the first time. And so, when when someone builds a business over a twenty year period, let's say, and and is ready for whatever reason to try to have an exit. It's a daunting, scary, unfamiliar place for them. So with my experience of having had multiple exits under my belt, it's a joy for me to help somebody down that path. That's one of the most meaningful transactions in their life. Um, It often means liquidity and, and wealth for their families. If they do it right, there's risk statistically in trying to get through the process. And so having a guide walk you through something that's that big and that scary is important. And, uh, and it brings me joy to help uh, somebody get through that, that process successfully. And what I like to do is, is get engaged with business owners, particularly software company owners, uh, before they're, they're ready for the exit so that you can start planning, anticipating, um, building the process in a way that, that, that sets it up for success. So, um, you know, that kind of a, a whole process there that, that makes sense and, and helps achieve everybody's goals.
0: Yeah, and Alice, what is uh, sort of a checklist that you go through when when you're helping someone make a successful business exit, my friend?
1: Well, I, I start with setting realistic expectations, mm-hmm. um, and that usually comes around valuation. You know, what do you think your business is worth and why? And we look at comps. Look at other businesses that have sold, um, and so you start to do that because that's the number one reset. So I've talked to somebody that says, "I've got a great software business. We're doing a million a year in revenue and a quarter million a year in profit, and I want to get twenty million for it." And so I've got to have the conversation that that's not going to happen. Let's talk about you know being realistic. And so that's that's the first part because if you want to get a transaction done, you have to you have to make sure that you're, you're using realistic terms and realistic expectations. So once you're there, then we talk about, all right, well, if I'm a buyer, what are the things that I'm looking for in order to, to mitigate my risk and add value to my organization? Am I buying it because it's making me money? Am I buying it because it's strategic to something else I own? And so we want to have the business be as clean and organized as possible. So buyers will look at quality of your financials. Um, you know, I see sometimes somebody will ask for financials; they don't have them, or you know, they they're really, really disorganized and inconsistent. And there are red flags that uh, anybody looking at buying a business that has experience doing it will identify quickly. So you've got to make sure your financials are well organized. You've got to make sure your processes are well organized. That your employees uh, and team are well organized. So when, when you do enter into a conversation about buying it and someone says, all right, I'd like to look under the hood now, that you have the materials ready and that everything uh, is kind of designed in a way where an experienced buyer would say, this person is well-organized and I can have confidence that I'm buying something that's not, I'm not walking into a mess. So there's a certain amount of prep and a certain amount of expectations that are key to getting that transactions over the line.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And- you know, you know, Alex. This is a question that has a different definition for anybody in business. But I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on your definition of entrepreneurial you know, courage, and what does it mean to you to have courage as an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I think about entrepreneurial courage, I think you know, entrepreneurs by definition are usually inventing their own path. Um, you know, like, like let's use a comparison, buying a franchise. I'm, I'm not gonna say that buying a franchise doesn't make you entrepreneurial, but you're following a proven roadmap. And and so you're, you're really, you're, you're buying yourself your own business and, and that doesn't mean you can't build wealth, but it's not by blazing your own trail. Most entrepreneurs by definition are gonna see an opportunity and then, you know, kind of go down a path that maybe was not uh, cut before them. And so that's where that entrepreneurial courage of saying, you know, I believe there's an opportunity. Um, I believe in my capabilities or the capabilities of my team to execute on, on my desire to capitalize on an opportunity in spite of the fact that I don't have any previous proof or replicatable history. Like I don't know for a fact that it'll work. If you buy a McDonald's franchise and you put it on the corner, you've got a 99% certainty you're going to make money if you follow the, 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 the playbook. If I decide that I want to create something brand new that nobody's ever bought before, some widget, take it to market, I don't know that that thing is going to perform. And so that is entrepreneurial courage to have, have the conviction to go down that path and decide that you're going to invest your time, energy, and money and into something that has that degree of uncertainty. But that is where some of the greatest rewards are gained from having that courage and going down that path.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Alex, uh, for every entrepreneur, there's a different breakthrough moment during their sort of rise to success. And I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts on what your breakthrough moment was and uh, how you were able to sustain so you could experience a sustained level of excellence, my friend. So, what what was your breakthrough moment in business?
1: Well, um, I got started when I was eighteen. I was living in my car, and uh, I got hired at a telemarketing firm. And I, at that time, I was very shy and actually did a, a terrible terrible job my first day on the job and so i had a, a phone and a stack of index cards and i was told call these people and try to sell network servers and equipment to them and i spent the entire day eight hours didn't make a single phone call i was terrified i remember shaking and sweating because i was just painfully shy and i couldn't do it so but i had an idea uh, uh, this was back in 95 96 this internet thing was starting to get popular and i wanted to create an online yellow pages so i went to the local library i, put, I wrote a two-page business plan and the next day i went back and to my boss and said hey boss can we talk and he says sure we'll, we'll go in the room and he says alex i'm sorry but i've got to fire you uh, i mean you didn't make a single phone call yesterday and this is a telemarketing firm it's just not going to work out i really like you but it's not going to work out and i said well before you fire me or before i leave Please take a look at this. And I handed him my two-page business plan. And he said, what's this? And I said, I have an idea for an online yellow page. This internet internet thing's going to be big. And I'd like you to help me get this started. So he looks it over and says, this is a great idea. What do you need? And I said, I need that desk, that phone, and 150 a week. And I can live on that. We'll be 50-50 partners. So we shake hands. I go back to that desk. And I started my first business. It was called City Beat Directories and uh, i learned how to i bought a book and learned how to write code and then i typed in the entire san luis Obispo county yellow pages which is uh where i live in california and started that business with just an idea it didn't exist you know it was a a digital replica of, of the yellow pages but um i got it uh up and running and uh and making great money within a year at the end of the year i had an exit uh i sold my half back to my partner and uh, had made some money, and that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. So, you know, I, my my favorite word in the English language is opportunity. And what I've learned is is uh, you know, virtually anybody you talk to, there's if you ask the right questions or have the right awareness, um, opportunities will open. So, I turned a firing into an investor because I knew that that person was open minded, had resources and like me so um so that was when i learned when you talk about entrepreneur courage that's where i learned i could see um opportunities and situations that most people didn't and i developed some confidence in my ability to execute and uh and actually deliver on the idea and uh and build real value so that that i got started very young and, and built confidence in my ability to be an entrepreneur
0: yeah and, and, and you know alex one of the things that i admire about you my friend is that you or someone that doesn't have a lot of time for uh, making excuses in order to uh, secure prosperity in life. So I'm curious to ask you about what it means to you to be a professional problem solver, and why are you so uh, eternally optimistic, my friend? So what's a professional problem solver, and what does it mean to you, you to be optimistic both in life and the business,
1: You know, the optimism, um, I think that probably comes from my grandfather, a uh, really interesting human being where he loved people. He loved life. He made it uh, two months shy of 100 years old. Um, Italian guy, loved drinking wine with his friends and, um, and really just always had a, a curiosity about things. And so I remember showing him iPhone when they came out. And he just says, man, that is neat. You know, I was born too early. Like, you guys have some great gadgets. He wasn't afraid of the evolution of, of technologies and people. And he was always interested in learning and, uh, and becoming part of all of that. So I think that that, that attitude showed for me um, what it was like to, to kind of know and have that optimism moving forward, that things will be okay, that even in challenging moments, Uh, you know you can still learn from those and then it's just all part of the equation of of being alive and and being on this planet and to be grateful for the things you have instead of dwelling on the things you don't because you will never you know if you have that attitude you'll you will never have everything you think you want so that that optimism was was part of what was instilled in me uh early on uh like i said from my grandfather and then the problem-solving side was just, uh, I think, uh, makes my life interesting. Uh, you know, everything becomes kind of a problem. It reminds me of the movie, uh, uh, the Matt Damon movie, The Martian, mm-hmm. where you know he's he's on Mars and his ship breaks, and and every day he's got to he fixes something, thinks things are going good, and then something goes wrong, and then he fixes it, and then something goes wrong, and he just keeps working the problem until he gets home. And, and that's how I think about life. And that's how I think about business is these things are going to come up. Some of them are really entertaining to try to tackle some of them less fun, but all of them work your brain. All of them give you a chance to succeed. And I found my most rewarding moments in life have come through some of the most challenging moments. And so when things are really hard or really dire or really emotional, um, I've always found getting through those tend to be the most satisfying. So it's it's like a great uh, uh, baseball quote from uh, uh, Babe Ruth, uh, the old uh, home run slugger. He said every time he struck out, he knew he was one more at bat closer to a home run. And so, like he, that was an optimistic way to look at striking out. Like he didn't say, "I failed at my at bat." That I was one step closer to my next win. So when I have a challenging moment, I think I've got to get through that. I'm going to learn and grow from this, and uh, and just keep pushing forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Alex, how good of a cook are you, Mike? <laughs> do, you, do you like do you like to cook?
1: I love to cook. I love to cook. I love I I love eating, and, and you tell I'm a big boy. And so, um, uh, you know, cooking does a a big part of that. I'm out in California, so we do a lot of uh, barbecue, a lot of grilling. Um, so I'm outside probably three days a week doing, uh, you know, ribs or a tri-tip or steaks. Uh, but I get it I, I get it in, in the kitchen as well. Um, I do love to cook.
0: Well, I have to tell you, Alex, I was uh, just in Texas recently for my birthday, and I uh, hit up some good barbecue so, uh, spots that so were uh, uh, connected there, my friend. But the reason I asked you about Cooking, my friend, is I want your opinion on what do you think are the greatest ingredients to a great business plan?
1: Oh, I like to tie in there. Very nice. Um, The greatest ingredients. Well, I think, you know, ideas, they say, are dime a dozen. And I agree with that. I hear a lot of ideas. Execution is the key. And so understanding the elements of your business plan that are required to get to viability or success. So first you gotta decide, all right, I I wanna sell widgets, provide the service, whatever it is. How would you define a successful business? What are the steps that get you there? Like the actual physical actions that need to happen to get there. And And then really looking at people. Uh, you mentioned earlier at the very beginning of this podcast, how uh, relationships are are critical and I couldn't agree more. And so if you're going to build a business, you have to comprehend the kind of people you're going to have around to help you execute on that plan. And whether they be mentors, partners, employees, um, people are critical to your success. So that needs to be thought of and, and comprehended. That's why when you see uh, many business plans incorporate values and mission Things like that, Uh, they they kind of feel academic in nature, but what they do is they align the people that are part of your success um, uh, to be in in alignment with your goals and how you're going to build this business. So those are important elements as well.
0: Yeah, and Alex, I'm also wondering your thoughts on uh, 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 cultivating leadership in business. What do you think are are some tangible strategies that leaders can use to measure the success or failure of their business or leadership style what are your thoughts
1: then? well i've always built my business around trying to have fewer people that uh are better at their jobs like uh i guess it's kind of Steve jobs ask you know surround yourself with a players and empower them So I'm not interested in being a micromanager. I actually had somebody years ago I worked with who said, got frustrated one day with this business and said, if I only had 30 of me, this would go fine. And I said, if I had 30 of me, I would go crazy. Because, you know, I don't need more me. I need people that are better than me, that are different than me. And this goes back to the diversity and inclusion we were talking about earlier. So I don't want a whole bunch of mini-me's running around. Um, I want people that are better at their respective crafts And then my job is to, one, I call myself the glue. I pull these different people together and unite our mission. And two, I provide resources. And three, I remove obstacles. So my job is to make them find the right person for the job and make them better. And and that's how I focus my leadership style on my team. Uh, Now, with respect to cultivating leadership, trust and respect are key for any leadership role. And part, as part of that trust and respect, I think you challenge. And that's where great communication and, and setting goals um, to continue to push and challenge that leader to, to go outside their comfort zone and continue to grow and continue to get better. And so we would like to encourage education. Uh, we want people to uh, to, uh, and to continue to push their boundaries, try to grow. And then when they struggle, you've got to be there to support them and continue to provide those resources and support. And so, uh, but I, I want, I want my team continuing to grow and and getting better. That's part of that relentless spirit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Alex, uh, just looking at, uh, the shelf behind you, my friend, we've got a lot of interesting uh, things behind us. So I'm, I'm curious because I'm a huge believer in the power of celebrating life and really celebrating life, uh, and all it has to offer. So I'm curious to ask you, my friend, what's the best way that you uh, celebrate life and find a uh, uh, reconnect, sort of, with your inner center, my friend? What does that mean to you?
1: Well, uh, going back to my grandfather, you know, I love people, and um, you know, it, it's 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 great to connect with friends and loved ones, um, share your wins and your losses with them and um, as well as be a resource for them to share with you. So, you know, when I, when I think about celebrating life my first reaction is to have people um, that I love and care about around me. But as, as I get older and I, I come out of my shell a little bit, I was a, a kind of very introverted uh, young man when I was younger is I love meeting new people. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying to get to know you on this, on this podcast and, Um, I love an opportunity to engage and meet people from all walks of life and uh, different parts of the world. Uh, I I know for some reason it energizes me in a, in a, in a really meaningful way. I love hearing people's stories and uh, and I love understanding uh, you know, how diverse this world is and so many different ways that you can live life. And uh, it's so easy to get stuck in, in a, in in kind of your own little box and your own repetition. And, uh, and, you know, learning is living and, uh, and you learn when you, when you hear people's stories and you talk to new people and you try new things. So that's a, that's a big part of, of, you know, my love for life and celebrating life. I also believe that you have to take a little bit of time for yourself. Uh, I do meditate and, and try to organize my thoughts. And, uh, I think the brain is a muscle, and you have to work like you would your bicep. And um, and so learning, thinking, um, mindfulness, quieting your mind in a way that uh, allows you to uh, organize and have clarity in your thoughts is really important to, um, to help me better connect with all the other things that I just mentioned. So I do take a little bit of time for that as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, Alex, I've also wanted to quickly go back to the uh, the conversation we had about business resilience, you know, as a professional speaker myself, Alex, I hear more no's every day than I do yes's, and I always tell people that if you want to be a professional speaker, you've got to sort of have teflon when the no's come, because if you focus on the no knows you're taking less energy away from a possible yes my friend so I'm selfishly curious to ask you how do you rebound from a no in
1: business you know that was probably one of the hardest skills for me to learn um going back to my story about the telemarketing I mean I was terrified of rejection at 18 years old I mean I I, I mean paralyzingly terrified and um and it's something where i think through ex- a little bit of experience you start to realize that a no is not the end of the world a no is not a brick wall um, you know they say things like sales sales are you know it's a numbers game and it's it's really challenging to embody and actually live that right so when you go oh it's a numbers game you're going to get nine no's and one yes but every no feels painful and you don't know if it's going to be 100 no's and then a yes, so you, you know it's really, really challenging to have the emotional fortitude to get through that. So I just remind myself that you know kind of look back to the ba- the Babe Ruth quote, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lose a handful, I'm gonna get some nose. That means I'm one step closer to my yes, and I just have to work through the nose until I get there. And uh, it's very hard, but once you have that perspective. And, and, uh, and you know that the, the no's are going to be in the way, but each one is a step closer, then I just work through it. And, uh, and I just want to get through the no's as fast as possible until I find my yes. I remember I was doing sales uh, and I spent an hour in a sales meeting and I didn't want to let this prospect go. We were back and forth, back and forth. And he knowed me, knowed me, knowed me, and I kept fighting for it. And then finally, you know, I gave up. I walked outside, and I remember I was exhausted from trying to close this guy. And then next door, uh, it was like he was in a, like a strip mall or something. Next door was somebody that was an interesting prospect. I walked in the door and said, hey, would you have any interest in this service? And she says, I was just reading about that. Yes, I'd love to do it. It was a 30-second sale. And so I, I just I couldn't embody the numbers game thing more. I'd sit there and fight with something that I knew – just not a good fit, and then literally next door was the yes. So when I think about business and that resiliency you're talking about, you know, I know that the yes is next door. So I just have to work through those.
0: Life in business is all about opportunities, right?
1: There you go. All about opportunities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Alex, if that made a life into a movie, what do you think you would want to Title
1: of your life moving to be my friend? Oh, geez, you know, you, you ask great questions. Um, you know, I'm not sure about this one. Uh, you know, I think I don't know whether Relentless would be in the title, uh, in some way. Um, because I think you have know, had when I tell my life story, I've had a lot of ups and downs, and um, I try to inspire people with the fact that that you know you can get kicked down and and get back up. So, you know, uh, but yeah, I think there, there are plenty of movies that have, that have covered that pretty well. So I'm not sure, but I think, you know, relentless, it might just be relentless, uh, you know, would be the name of the movie. I I don't know. Uh, but that seems to embody uh, my story pretty well.
0: Fair enough. And who would play you in the movie?
1: (laughs) Oh, geez. That's a good one. Um, you know, um, uh, I've got, I've got uh, kind of a man crush on, what's his name, Henry Cavill, the guy who played Superman. Of so course, uh, yeah. Oh, we need some, like, uh, you know, studly uh, big guy to, to do it. So, you know, that'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: You know, Alex, my final question for you has to do about legacy, my friend, and how you want your legacy to be defined, both personally and professionally as well.
1: Well, you know, it ties a little bit back to my my 50 by 50, but but less around money, more around. um, I'd love for people to say that their lives were better because they knew me and whether that meant I gave uh, I inspired them in some way. Um, I gave them an opportunity. I gave them a, a job that fulfilled them. Um, i helped them build a business that fulfilled them and and and, and their employees um so the legacy on, on both business and personal for me would be would be that that I made the people around me better and and made their lives better i mean that that would be that would be my goal for whatever that that would mean and if i if i can leave you know a lasting impact on my community that would be great uh you know i don't i don't envision that that there would be anything like really uh, to memorialize that. I just think that if I can, as I interact with people and communicate with people and participate locally, if I can help people around me do just a little bit better, then um, there will be a lasting legacy there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Alex, tell me if people want to get connected with you, my friend, what's the best way they can do
1: that? Oh, uh, you know, my website is so berelentless.com. So Uh, uh You yeah, know, if you go on there and submit the form, uh, it'll get to me eventually. Um, that's a great way to connect. My email address is alex, A-L-E-X, at berelentless.com. So people can always email me if they wanted to. Uh, that'd be fine as well.
0: Uh, fair enough, my friend. You're well, you've uh, certainly made your... Uh, impact in entrepreneurship business and uh, impacting the lives of people my friend I, I I know that I'm grateful that we had a chance to engage in conversation this afternoon and I want to thank you for being here today it's most appreciated
1: uh, you know it was, it was a pleasure I appreciate what you do sharing these stories and watching your podcast and listening to your podcast um, I've learned from some of your other speakers uh, so uh, creating a format like this to share your story and other people's stories um, lifts a lot of people up. It's a, it's a great way to have an impact. So I appreciate what you do. Yeah, it's very thoughtful questions. Uh, so great job, buddy. And it, it was a pleasure uh, chatting with you today as well.